It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 994 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, July the 29th. It's draft day, baby. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, of course, at Woodley Sean on Twitter. You can find me uh, as well at Locked On Raptors. You can find the podcast, that is. You get links to every single episode of the podcast. Uh, and of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. And in particular, be sure to watch tonight as the Locked On Podcast Network puts on an incredible draft show from the WFAA television studios down in Dallas, Texas. We've got John Corrales, Chad Ford, Raphael Barlow, all the local hosts from across the network as well dropping in as their teams make their picks. It's going to be... It's the biggest thing Locked On's ever done. It's freaking fantastic. I, I've been in the planning meetings. I've seen the photos of the set from those who are down there putting it all on. It's going to be an absolutely amazing night. And so you can watch along on the Locked On NBA YouTube page if you'd rather that than awkward people who are bad at television talking about wingspan and girth or whatever it is Jay Billis talks about. Uh, it's much better, I- I'm going to say that, than ESPN or any other broadcast you could watch. So please do watch the Locked On NBA Draft Show on the Locked On NBA YouTube page tonight. I'll be making my appearance when the Raptors pick around pick number four, assuming they don't trade the pick for Shea Gildas-Alexander, baby. Uh, All right, (laughs) on today's show... There will be no Shea talk today. Uh, you know, we're going to calm down the rumors a little bit. It's draft day. It's probably time to just sort of relax a little bit, ease into the night. And we're going to do that with the second part of the Mailbag podcast that I started on Monday. Got lots of questions. Got some follow-up questions as well in the last little while. Uh, and so I'll get to all those on today's show. And we will round out the pre-draft coverage just on a light note, I think, because people seem to be getting rather tense rather uh, furious at hypothetical picks that have not yet been made. We will get into all of that. So let's get to your questions. Uh, A couple that came in today. Let's just get to the draft stuff off the top. There's some non-draft questions here, which I'll finish the show off with, but we should talk about the draft stuff to begin with. Uh, Jordan David Bell, a frequent question asker, asks, should everyone be freaking about Scotty Barnes with the fourth pick? Look, I don't think Scotty Barnes should be the pick at four. I think Jalen Sugg should be the pick at four. I think the fit is very good. I think, yes, maybe the 100% outcome of Scotty Barnes's career might be higher than Jalen Suggs's 100% outcome, but if I'm betting on who's going to reach their 80% outcome, that's probably Jalen Suggs that I'm going to take, because Scotty Barnes has a lot of ground to cover if he's going to sort of paper over the holes in his game, particularly on the offensive end, and this team in particular needs offense. They need ball handlers. They need dudes who can break down a half-court defense. And yes, Jalen Suggs is still a work in progress in that front, as any prospect is. 
But his offensive game is so far advanced compared to Scotty Barnes, and, and you know his playmaking is top of the class or near the top of the class. It just to me, Jalen Suggs is the very clear pick, and I would be very happy with Jalen Suggs at four. That said, if Scotty Barnes is the pick at four. I understand the reasoning from the Raptors. It will make me sort of curious about what their direction is going to be in the next couple years here. It kind of is an interesting pick as it relates to how the roster is currently constructed and where the strengths and weaknesses lie and just the people you have under contract long term. It seems like there's some overlap there. We probably shouldn't be thinking in terms of traditional positions anymore. You know, Scotty Barnes can handle the ball. Maybe he's like the two of the future or something like that. Who am I to say? I... Again, I don't think the process of taking Barnes at fourth is the greatest move. I think if you want Barnes, if he's absolutely your guy, you trade down with the Magic or the Thunder and you try to get him then. Um, I guess you run the risk of potentially not getting him and you know moving back for nothing. But I, I just, I, I think it, it just, it's not, I don't know, it's not worth getting too up in arms about, I think, if they take him at four. I, I think there's obviously reasons to like Scotty Barnes and there's lots of different arguments to be made. I just, I think it's the process that'll kind of be the thing I'm most down on because he's clearly not the fourth best prospect in the draft, at least as the consensus goes. And as the consensus goes, that's kind of what's going to dictate whether or not you're trading back, trading down, whatever it is. I, again, I'm not thrilled about the idea of Barnes at four. I'd rather Suggs. I've talked about Suggs for a month and I've just fully talked myself into the experience. And I think there's actually something to the idea of handing the baton over to a similarly positioned player as Kyle Lowry. If Kyle Lowry's leaving, yes, you got Fred Van Vliet, but if you want to hand it over to someone who could potentially become the face of the franchise a few years down the line, Jalen Suggs feels like a pretty good bet. The fact that he's just like noted as like a winner and a dude who's going to win a lot of games regardless of circumstance, all that stuff speaks to me. And I think it would speak to the Raptors. And honestly, I don't really know what to make of all the noise about Barnes at fourth. I haven't really seen it from anyone reputable or anyone who's like constantly in the know and getting scoops correct. You know, again, I don't want to denigrate Jake Fisher or anything like that because he's with Bleacher Report and that's a reputable outlet and all that stuff. But I just kind of question where that stuff is coming from, because we know it's not coming from the Raptors. And I'm curious what kind of smoke screening or what kind of sort of mind games these teams might be playing by drumming up Scotty Barnes to four talk. I still think if you're just looking at it the way the Raptors roster is constructed, the way the Raptors tend to value guys who play both ends of the floor, guys who have that sort of winning pedigree, like Suggs seems to check as many boxes for the Raptors as Scotty Barnes does. He's just not six foot nine. And so I still think Suggs will be the pick. I think that's the easy one. I think it's like the easy, non-complex, not overthinking it pick. If it's Barnes at four, again, not the ideal outcome, but I'm sure there's the reasoning behind it. And ultimately, the Raptors scouting staff is smarter than I am. So I'll just take their word for it and go with it, even if I expect it to be a bit of a longer process for Scotty Barnes to become whatever it is the Raptors envision that he can become in the hypothetical world where they draft him at four. Again, I wouldn't bet on it. I think Suggs is going to be the pick. He's been mocked to the Raptors in basically every mock draft from people who are in the know. And I would be pretty stunned, honestly, if uh, if it's anything other than that, unless they trade back. And then Scotty Barnes totally on the table, I suppose. Uh, more questions here about the draft. Uh, this one comes from, uh, I had it here. Oh, uh, Tom Wright. What would you move to move? What would you give up to move up to number three? What's the minimum you'd take to move down from four? Um, in terms of moving up to three, I I think 
Look, it totally is a matter of taste and how much you think Evan Mobley is that much of a game changer. You also have to keep in mind here that the Cavs seem pretty steadfast in staying at number three, so it's going to take a lot to get them to move down, it seems. They really seem like they're locked in to Mobley, and for good reason. He seems like a pretty transcendent prospect, especially on the defensive end of the floor. So I don't think I would so go in sort of mortgage... You know, I talked about yesterday with Will Lou about how, or a couple days ago, about how I would offer up all the picks in the future, the whole seven-pick package with swaps and picks or whatever for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I wouldn't do that for Evan Mobley. He's an unproven commodity. Shea is more proven for sure. And I think, you know, the way he's proven things with a context that was not exactly forgiving to a star player without much of a supporting cast, I think, you know, I'm pretty happy to make that bet on Shea. I wouldn't make that bet. I wouldn't do the whole like, oh, here's three, four, five picks down the line here, Cleveland, take them, and then we'll take Evan Mobley off your hands. I don't really see that being worth it. I think, you know, if they can talk Cleveland into a future first, maybe one of the seconds this year, maybe, but I just don't see the point in totally mortgaging the future when Jalen Suggs is going to be a damn good prospect if he's the pick at four. And I'm pretty comfortable with that. I think the Raptors should be comfortable with that. And like, that's this is the thing. The Raptors have already won by moving up to number four from number seven. Like, they don't need to go and sort of overdo it or overcom- over overthink this. It doesn't. It can just be simple. It can just be, all right, we're at four. We'll take the dude who lands with us at four, and we're happy with that because a month ago we were looking at Keon Johnson as the potential guy at number seven. I, I'm very, very content if the Raptors just stay chill and don't throw a bunch of assets forward. If they want to move back, I mean... With Orlando at number five, it would be probably like five plus 33. Again, I, I talked about this on Monday. You're not getting five and eight. There's just no way that Orlando's doing that. It just, unless they're like totally, totally in love with Jalen Suggs. I just, I don't, and they hate ball handlers. They love six, nine wings who maybe won't be good. They, that's like, they're, they're, they're the Scotty Barnes team. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why they would want to move up. Um, but yeah, if they're going to give up five and 33, maybe you can be talked into it. Maybe you can package 33 and your other seconds to move into like the 20 range and you can get like a Jaden Springer or something like that. Maybe you can talk yourself into that, but I am very, very cool if the Raptors just stay chill and don't overthink this. There is not a need to try to go win it more. They've already won by moving up to number four. And unless there's like a pretty easy, like no brainer, oh, we're only protecting one future first round pick to move up here then I'm totally on board with the Raptors just staying put and taking that pick at number four. Uh, Let's continue on here. Uh, We'll get to more questions from the mailbag to wrap things up before the draft, but we'll get to that after we talk about our friends over at rockauto.com, who are, of course, amazing. They are saving you money on the cars, the car parts that you need to fix your vehicle, and they're doing it with just the most easy-to-use online catalog ever. You know, when you go to a mechanic, they usually have just like one version of the part that you need and they're going to price it at the supreme price that they can charge because why wouldn't they? It's the one thing they have, supply and demand, baby. But if you go to rockauto.com, they have tons of supply and they're all different brands, specifications and prices, of course, that you can choose from and you can save a ton of money. As I've said before, I once bought a gas cap on rockauto.com that I was going to have to pay $30 for for $4. It's an incredible deal. You should be going to rockauto.com anytime you need a part for your car because they are wonderful and their prices are the exact same if you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we'll continue on here uh, with some of your mailbag questions. The next one here, we're going to pivot away from the draft a little bit. We'll look ahead to free agency a tad in this segment, and then we have a couple fun ones to close things out. Um, this one here comes from Calgary Raptors fan. Uh, Rashawn Holmes is reportedly seeking four years, $80 million. Do you think he is much better than Ken Birch, like double the salary better than Ken Birch? I don't. I'm in the Ken Birch hive. I don't think you necessarily have to compare Rashawn Holmes and Ken Birch here. Ken Birch is going to get some nice money. I would assume probably, you know, similar to what Baines got last season, you know, the a chunk of the MLE or whatever it is. That's the one sort of pain in the ass with Ken Birch is you have to sign him with your own cap space because he doesn't, you know, have bird rights on him, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, the, the fact that he played so well down the stretch that he's going to maybe make more than we expected he would is actually one of them good problems. When it comes to the other center, like, again, I don't think you have to compare them too much, right? Like, if you have Rashawn Holmes and Ken Birch as your center rotation, making a combined 27 to $30 million, I don't think that's so bad. I think you're pretty happy with that. We've talked for a year now about how the Raptors went from having 48 minutes of good center play that they paid quite a lot for down to, you know, very few good minutes of center play. Sometimes Stanley Johnson did some nice things at the five, and that was about it until Ken Birch came around. You know, it's there's the value in just paying to have that position shirt up. And if you have Holmes and Ken Birch, I think that is more than okay to go forward with. You can swap in Chris Boucher as a small ball five sometimes. You'll scale down and play OG or Pascal at the five sometimes as well. I think you can make that work. And I don't think $30 million is too crazy a price to pay. That said, I understand if you're not super in on the idea of four years, $80 million for Rashawn Holmes. I That's a little bit higher than what I'd be comfortable going, I think. I think if you're going to spend that much money, you might as well just throw a big offer at Jared Allen or John Collins and hope you can spook off the Hawks or the Cavs. Um, and maybe getting into those waters leaves you kind of holding the empty bag when the sort of musical chairs stops and maybe Rashawn Holmes is signed somewhere else while your cap space is tied up and you figure out the offer sheet thing. And there's reasons why Holmes should be the first guy you target because of the ease of UFA. You know, I, four years 80 is a lot. <laughs> it is for a guy who, again, I have some questions about defensively considering how bad that Sacramento team was on the defensive end this year. And for a guy who doesn't really stretch it out, I'm not just saying you need to have a big who can shoot threes either right like I think we've kind of moved past that I think having bigs who can shoot threes is nice I think also having guys who can put pressure on the rim is very nice and Holmes can certainly do that he's got the floater game he would really address the Raptors issue at scoring around the basket so you could talk yourself into it and you're always going to overpay slightly in free agency just because that's the way the market works it's always going to be beneficial to the players to be in that limited market you know, if it comes to 480 for Holmes and he's the only option and you give Kem the, you know, the 7 to 10 million, whatever it's going to be, I think that's a totally fine way to allocate your money at the center spot and you go forward and your your rotation looks pretty solid, right? Like you'll have a starting five of presumably Van Vliet, Suggs, slash Trent, probably Suggs, I'd rather start Suggs. Um, you throw in Ananobi, Siakam, and then Holmes, that's a totally cromulent starting five. And then the back uh, part of the rotation, you've got Flynn, Trent, Utah, Boucher, Birch, like that's a pretty good team. I, I think that's a solid 
rock solid playoff team actually like not gonna be sexy not going to probably win 60 games probably not going to make it past maybe round two even round one of the playoffs but still a rock solid playoff team that will uh continue the sort of tradition of the raptors being good and relevant and waiting to strike when the opportunity strikes and so yeah holmes is like as i've said he's kind of lower on my list of guys who i target just in a vacuum but because of the ufa thing he kind of moves up the list also 480 is what they want i don't know if you're going to get 480 if you're rashawn holmes i think you know my sort of thinking was you know four years and maybe 16 mil a year whatever the math works out to 68 mil or 64 that kind of feels like more the sweet spot if you can get him for that great if not then some other team might overpay him, and that's okay too because the Raptors will have some other options, including Ken Birch. If they really, really need to, they can always fall back on Ken Birch to potentially start and then figure it out from there. Uh, Another question here from Calgary Raptors fan. This one relates to, I suppose, trades and Ben Simmons and all that. For the Raptors, is Ben Simmons better than OG? I think not. Look, I think it's a weird thing. (laughs) If you combined OG Ananobi and Ben Simmons, you would have one of the best players alive. You obviously can't do that, and they're so good at very specifically different things, but also the same things. Like, it's it's tricky, man. The the three-point shooting is obviously so important, and that's, like, the most important skill on either side if you're thinking about how guys can sort of operate in you know, the modern NBA and be on the floor late in games. Like, no one's going to cheat off of OG. He can work with the ball in his hands a little bit, too. He's obviously an incredible defender. I think him and Simmons are basically on par with how they defend. They're probably, to me the two most versatile, the two most just all-encompassing defenders in basketball, which is pretty good company to be in. And I think we kind of, with the Ben Simmons talk, there's so much like Sixers slander that it does feel like you almost forget about the good things Simmons does because he does do a lot of good things. He also handles the ball quite well, which OG does not. Like, OG is not a a 10-assist-a-game guy. Maybe never will be, probably never will be. Simmons is very much that right now, and that is a very valuable skill set. He's incredible in transition. When he has space, he's very difficult to contain. It's just the one thing that Simmons doesn't do well is such a big thing, which is shot creation and, you know, finding his own looks and pull up threes or catch and shoot threes or any form of three whatsoever, underhand granny shot threes, whatever it is. It's it's such an inhibiting factor that if I think you're looking at this Raptors team, for example, I think OG presuming they take Jalen Suggs and get another ball handler into the mix. Yeah, I think OG probably fits the team better. I don't think I would trade OG for Simmons straight up, even if I think some of the skills there on Simmons's end are sort of more advanced than OG's. It's just a strange Venn diagram when you put those two players together and find out like, well, okay, what does this guy do? What does, like, how important is this skill versus this skill? It's a bizarre one. It's a strange comp. There's not really a comp to be made, honestly. They're such vastly different players. But, um, you know, if the question is, would you trade OG for Ben Simmons? No, I wouldn't. I think that's paying too high. I think you got to try to buy low on Simmons. And if you can't, then you don't get Ben Simmons. And that's totally, totally fine. You're not too worried about it. You're not losing sleep because you didn't get Ben Simmons. Let's get to more questions here as well. Um, let's go to this one from uh, Morgan Eyes Only. This is sort of a sad question. Uh, <laughs> it's a question that is, uh, if the Raptors do lose Lowry, do you think losing him combined with losing Norm means that it's basically back to being out in the first round for a few years? I, I don't think that's necessarily true no i think look losing lowry is a big bummer you don't want to lose kyle lowry he's kyle lowry of course this is a pro kyle lowry podcast always has been always will be but 
I don't think the Raptors are in this sort of dire situation where if Lowry leaves, it's like full on, full on teardown. And you're probably not in a good spot if you are a 35-year-old departure away from tearing things down. And I don't think the Raptors are there right now. I think there's been this sort of adjustment in the way people view this team that is so clouded by what this past season was when I think we've all kind of agreed this past season was bullshit (laughs) like yes there are reasons why the team lost a lot of games but also they went one and 13 in March because their three best players got COVID and they were totally turning it around before then they could never get the train back on the tracks but they looked very much legitimate before COVID came around and I don't think losing Kyle Lowry is a big enough hit to the legitimacy of the team, especially if you're adding another talent, if you're finding a center in free agency, if you're adding Jalen Suggs, if you are sort of continuing the development of Malachi Flynn and Gary Trent. Like, there's a good team here. I'm convinced of that. And I think there needs to be sort of a recalibration of the thinking. Is this a title team as currently constructed with or without Lowry? No, it's not. I don't think there's any world in which they are. But I don't think that is the be all end all and I'll and I'll be all and end all be all and end all. I will continue to repeat this common refrain on the podcast until I'm blue in the face. There is no need for every single year to be title or bust and there is a lot of value in being good and winning games and entertaining you for 6 months of a regular season and just because you lose Lowry does not mean the team you know, yes, they lose even more championship aspiration and cachet or whatever it might be. They might they probably didn't have, have any anyway. You know, just because you don't have that championship aspiration, just because you can't be one of the, you know, two or three or four best teams in the league doesn't mean you don't just try to be good and win a lot of games because we just saw how nightmarish and awful it is to watch a bad team. This team is it's within their power to not be bad. And I think returning to Toronto and all that stuff, getting guys back, not having COVID to deal with, hopefully is going to make that a much easier thing for them to do and maintain a level of goodness and relevancy that, again, was the floor plan that worked for the Raptors on the road to the title. Be good, be relevant, wait till you can make your opportunity or take advantage of an opportunity of a team that has a dude who's available via trade and do the trade and then boom, you're ready to go. It's not a perfect strategy. It's not going to work for everybody. Everybody wants to trade for big players and stars, but the Raptors are in a good spot and they have... A lot of maneuverability from where they are. And there's, uh, to me, if you can be good-ish and make the playoffs or be in the playoff hunt and also have that maneuverability, that is far more valuable and far more, honestly, like sure a path to becoming great than sort of tanking away and hoping you can get draft picks that save you. It's just relying on the lottery is a nightmare. Look at the Thunder this year. They are basically a year back now in their trajectory because they didn't get a top pick this season. And if they do move up into the top four, it's because they've blown a lot of their other future assets to do it because they got desperate because they relied too much on the lottery. You don't want to rely on the lottery. You got lucky one time. Guess what? It's probably not going to happen again if you're the Raptors. There's no need to tear things down. And there's nothing wrong if they are a first round and out team for a couple years under this iteration. They still are just two years removed from a title there's plenty of leeway here plenty of runway for them to figure out what the next great version of the team looks like and so I I think if Kyle Lowry goes it's a huge bummer obviously but I don't think it derails some sort of grand plan for the team just means the plan's going to be different and it's going to be younger and it's going to be again super maneuverable with lots of flexibility to trade out and move on pieces and cycle guys through until the next superstar comes along 
All right, we're going to finish up. We got a couple more mailbag questions to get to. Some fun ones related to the draft on the other side. We'll get to those in just a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. And if you want to throw some money down on who's going to get drafted tonight, you can do that as well. You can bet on who's going to be first overall, second overall, all that good stuff over at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, uh, we are going to round things out here with just a couple more mailbag questions. First one here, another one from Jordan David Bell asks, does the Messiah announcement not have to come prior to the draft and free agency? Uh, I don't think that there's any rule as to when a Messiah announcement has to come. Of course, we should probably hit on the comments from Bobby Webster yesterday. He was asked about Messiah's contract status, where he's at. Uh, Bobby will be speaking to the rap, to the media after the draft on Thursday night as well, not Messiah, so there's that. Um, but he said that, you know, he's been hanging out with Messiah, going for coffee, scouting dudes, doing all the prep work and everything like that. Messiah's been very busy. It does not seem as though Masai is going anywhere. It seems like his focus is entirely on this draft and what the Raptors are doing here. Look, I have no idea what's going on here. I suppose you could look at it and say, hey, maybe Masai is kicking around till the end of his contract. His contract expires as the new league year begins. Maybe he's just doing his due diligence down to the very end, the opposite of like giving your two weeks notice and mailing it in for the last couple weeks. Maybe he's just doing that to set the team up as he moves on to be the commissioner of the bow or something like that. Or maybe he's just, you know, not so worried about the contract status and knows that's going to get done. And maybe it's already gotten done and they just haven't told us. I have no idea. I feel pretty good about it, though, because Masai is just operating as as usual. And, and yes, maybe there's some weirdness to the fact that they haven't said anything. My theory is that he continues. To, he's been signed for a month and he continues to not announce anything to teach Raptors fans a lesson about their own fragility and how they need to believe in their city and believe in themselves. It's like a long con from that original Kawhi Leonard press conference, and he's just continuing to teach the lesson to Raptors fans to stop being so damn fragile about everything. I don't know. This is that's a, just a working theory that Bobby Webster's comments did lead, lend some credence to. But no, I don't think there's any reason why it has to come before or after. There's no rules on that at all. His contract ends when the league years ends, and we'll go from there. But I, I think the Maasai alarm it's probably like adding a little bit of tension to like raptors internet during this time and i guess i understand that but 
I think it's uh, it's totally okay to let yourself believe Masai's going to stick around because it doesn't seem like much has really changed with how he's going about his uh, his business. All right, last question here in the mailbag, and this is a fun one. We'll leave it off. The top five draft picks in Raptors history based on value at pick spot. This comes from Jordan David Bell as well. Jordan, just asking some banger questions today. So this is fun. Let's go back and find the best five Raptors picks based on draft position. I'm just so just if we're going to do this purely scientifically, if we look at the value over replacement player of players drafted by the Raptors, number one by far is Tracy McGrady. 55.7 value over replacement player in 938 games. The next closest is Marcus Camby at 31.3 uh, value over replacement player at uh, with 973 games played. I Vince Carter's not on this list because he was not a technical Raptors draft pick. That's okay. I'll, I'll find out what his career VORP was. If we want to count Vince Carter as uh, as that, we can. Um, ba, ba, ba. Where are you? Advanced stats. Come on here. Vince Carter's page is enormous. Please bear with me as I scroll through this enormous basketball reference page. Uh, Vince Carter's career value over replacement player, 57.9. So ahead of Tracy McGrady. So if you want to say Vince Carter, you can, but he's not technically a Raptors draft pick as per the Toronto Raptors franchise index on basketball reference. So I'm going to leave Vince Carter out of this, actually, uh, and we'll go with some other options. I think, number one, you have to go with Pascal Siakam, like 27th overall. He is a second-team All-NBA player. He's a most-improved player. He's an NBA champion. He's very good. I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. He's fantastic and I think very clearly is the best value pick the Raptors have ever made. Um, the next one kind of a slept on one, but ended up being quite a good pick for the team, even though I'm probably a little bit lower on his place in history than, you know, most people are. I think Morris Peterson's still a very good value pick. I, I, again, I think, you know, give me Anthony Parker over Mo Pete all day in terms of like winning basketball players. But, uh, you know, he was the 21st overall pick in 2000. He ended up playing 711 career games, averaged 10 points a game, 11 points a game, obviously had the Ironman streak with the Raptors, had some big scoring seasons with the Raptors. I think he had a year where he averaged like 17 a game, 7.6 career value over replacement player as well. So that would be up there as number two for me. Um, Honestly, OG Ananobi's kind of there too, 23rd overall. And look at him. He's really good. He's going to be an all-defensive player at some point here, whether it's all-defense or defensive player of the year conversation. Like, he's going to be in that realm of player for presumably the next little while here. He's very good. So I would say OG definitely is on that list. He's at 3.1 value over replacement player right now. You know, it, it's... 253 games in. It's the lowest number of games by anybody in the sort of range we're talking here. So, yeah, I would say OG is going to be on the list as well with Mo Pete and Pascal. Honestly, like, if you think about the history of ninth overall picks, DeMar DeRozan is pretty high up there, right? Like, if you get the DeMar DeRozan career, you get him being one of your all-time best players, your franchise's leading scorer, a 20-point-a-game guy. He's a 20-value-over-replacement player guy. He's a franchise icon. He's a guy who tweets, don't worry, I got us, after Chris Bosh leaves. Like, there's a, there's a good argument to be made that number nine for DeMar DeRozan and the development curve that he went on is going to put him on this list. He was fantastic. And also, you parlayed him into Kawhi freaking Leonard in your first ever title. So I'm going to put DeMar on this list as well at number nine. And then I would say Norm Powell, but again, not technically a Raptors pick. He was a pick of the... 
of, of the Milwaukee Bucks. So I don't think I can actually earnestly say that that's a Raptors pick. If I'm just going by the rules here, I'm sorry. I have to go by the rules. And then that leads me to, mm, man, <laughs> I think the next best guy. How about this? This is a bit of a, a secret one. I think this is a smart one where the Raptors sold high and ended up winning that deal. Charlie Villanueva, number five for me. Number seven in 2005, they got the great season out of him. He comes second in Rookie of the Year. He scores 48 points in a game. He's super surprisingly fun for the team. And then before it all comes crashing down for Charlie V, they trade him for TJ Ford. And TJ Ford is one of the best point guards the Raptors have ever had. One of my favorite players to watch, that's for damn sure. Um, And so, yeah, I I think Charlie V, with the one really good rookie season and then being parlayed into TJ Ford absolutely is on this list as well so yeah it's pascal it's mo pete it's og it's demar Derozan, and it's charlie villanueva for the best value picks for the raptors uh in the last 25 years or whatever it's been uh all right that's gonna do it for today's show thank you so much to everyone who sent in questions all week long i got a flow of questions from monday on through if i didn't get to your question i apologize it's just there's only so much time and the draft is very very soon so I couldn't do Infinite Mailbag Podcast. We had to talk to Will, baby. Uh, But yeah, thank you, as always, for the support. Thank you for listening to the podcast all the way in the lead-up to the draft. We've had a ton of fun doing draft coverage this year because it's kind of been new. It's been a refreshing thing. You know, it's been really enjoyable covering a good team all this time, but it was kind of fun to mix things up this year and talk about something different. So I uh, hope you enjoyed the draft lead-up, even though I know I'm not the most, like, prospect smart person in the world. I hope you enjoyed all the smart people I brought on to talk about said prospects, and I hope you enjoy the draft tonight. I'll be joined uh, after the draft by Yasmin Diwala from Dishes and Dimes and Yahoo Sports and the Toronto Star and all over the freaking place. Uh, so that'll be the podcast to react to the draft, and then I'll be on vacation for a little bit. Uh, I'm going away to Halifax. I was supposed to get married this weekend. Had to bump it because of COVID and all that, so we're going to Halifax instead just to replace it for, for now, and then I'll be back on Tuesday with the next episode, which will be, I guess, the first day of free agency or the first full day of free agency after, I think, the 6 o'clock start time for free agency on Tuesday. Tuesday. So should be wild times. Uh, and I will have it all covered next week for you. And of course, tonight with Yasmin to break down what goes down in the draft should be exciting times. And that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on th- Friday. Yeah. Holy crap. Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Enjoy the draft, everybody. Bye bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.